Welcome to Harrison Church. It's 2019, a new year, a fresh start, a wide open road. What will you make of 2019? Will this be the year of giving or serving in the church? Or how about your community? Whatever you do, join us each week for a contemporary service at 945 and traditional services at 830 and 11. We hope to see you there. And we hope that you enjoyed this week's sermon from Pastor Elizabeth. I'll be reading from um, Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we have observed his star rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened. And all of Jerusalem was frightened with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is a shepherd of my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring him to me, uh, bring me word, so that I may go and pay him homage. And when they heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was born. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warmed in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And let us pray. O oh Lord, again, guide us now in these moments. Reveal to us a word that we each need to hear. For you are our light, and by your word we shall live. For it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So I want to begin the new year with a Socratic riddle. Have I lost anybody? A Socratic riddle. What do the living and the dead, the young and the old, the awake and the asleep all have in common? If you know the answer, feel free to shout it out. What do the living and the dead, the awake and the asleep, the young and the old all have in common? Anybody? Yeah, that. That's not what I'm looking for. The living and the dead, the young and the old, the awake and the sleep, all have change in common. In one way or another, change is present in the living and the dead, the awake and the asleep, the young and the old. Or so says Hercules of Ephesus in 500 B.C. Does that impress you? (laughs) Change. 
Hercules would say, is the only constant. And whether we believe it or not, I happen to think it's true. Change is the only constant. Now, the wise men were not from Greece, but they might have studied some of these words. The wise men, we think, were from Persia. But they, we know they knew some Hebrew prophecy. So, so these men knew a lot, and they understood that change perhaps is the only constant, or perhaps they understood it, that change is the only constant. So what I think this morning is so important in our text, this it, last scene of the manger, right? This is the last time we're going to see the baby Jesus. We're going to skip ahead 12 years after this story and, and see him um, as a 12-year-old, and then we're not going to see him again for 30, until he's 30 or so. But this is the last scene of the manger. And what is so important here is that in this story, God is changing everything. Everything is going to be different Everything is going to be changing. All of it. God is having this catechismic shift taking place in the world, and we see it at the manger, especially when the wise men show up. So we know the story. We have Herod, right? Herod, who has all power, all authority over the land of Judea. He's been appointed by the Roman government. He has palaces in his name. He's got statues of him around. He's got the religious leaders under his thumb. He's got it all. Herod's got everything he could possibly want when it comes to temporal and earthly power. And Herod, in these moments of this story, as we encounter him today, is scared to death. His power, he perceives, is threatened, and it is. And Herod is terrified of the change that is coming With all authority, with all power, this Christ child, this little baby who he's not yet met, but of whom he's heard, he knows that that change is afoot. And it scares him to death. And so he receives the wise men into his palace and he has conversation with them. Perhaps we know this story. And he sends them on their way and, and he gathers the people, the Hebrew religious leaders around him and says, help me understand this. And, and he gets all the information he can get from the wise men, from the religious leaders, all of it. And, and again, it sets him on edge. And he says to the wise men, when you meet this baby, after you've met him, come, come back and see me. Come back and tell me exactly where he is so that I too may go and worship. He's scared to death and he's lying through his teeth. And that's one way to react when change comes into our lives. It can shake us up, knock us off our feet, and we can respond in fear. We can respond in anger. We can try to control. We can try to manipulate. This is what Herod's doing. That's one way to respond to change, no doubt. It doesn't stop it. But it's one way to respond. And so the wise men go. They, they go to Bethlehem and they, they meet this Christ child and they kneel at his feet and they offer him their gifts and they offer him their worship. And, and then they rise up and they have been warned in a dream by God that they are to go home by another way. 
I think that phrase is incredibly important here. The wise men will go home by another way, literally and I think spiritually. For they have met God in the change. The change was real for them as well. They were experiencing change, no doubt. They were men of science, and yet they couldn't explain this anomaly. They studied the data, yet they didn't understand exactly what this star was. And so they went and they followed. These are men from another country. They are in a new place among new people. They have found who some say is a king in a barn. Everything has changed for them too. The world is a different place, and yet the wise men aren't afraid of the change. They go to engage it. They make effort to be a part of it. They show up and find God in the midst of the change. Certainly change beyond their control, cataclysmic shift, like I said, enormous and huge. And yet the wise men choose to engage the change, find God in it, and then take their part in the story of how God is changing the world. The wise men's presence in this story means all of it's going to be different. For 6,000 years in the history of the Hebrew people, God has chosen almost exclusively to work through the Hebrews, right? God has chosen almost exclusively. There are some, some changes in that, but statistically it doesn't bear out. God has chosen to operate differently, to no longer be working only through one group of people. And that's the shift. And I sometimes think we don't, we don't get how huge it is because we love the story and it looks sweet and we like the gifts and, and it's easy to tell our children about. But, but this change is huge. God is acting out of his standard mode of operation. The love hasn't changed. Don't hear that. God has loved this world since he created it. No doubt that has not changed. God seeking to offer blessing to this world has not changed. Because he's loved us since he created us. And yet what God is doing, working through these foreigners, working through these people who are not part of the covenant relationship yet, God has chosen to operate otherwise. And it's huge. It's huge. No longer are there insiders and outsiders No longer are there locals and foreigners. No longer are those who are clean and unclean. God has put an end to that in this story. We see it illustrated and we can embrace that change, seek to understand that change as the wise men did, or we can get ticked off like Herod. What are we going to do? God is operating in a new way. The world is changing. How are we going to respond the choice is ours we can't stop change we just choose how to respond everything's changed and everybody knows it and everything's changed but not everybody likes it I thought it was interesting this week, just visually, some of the things that were going on this week. And and I'm going to talk about Congress. I'm not going to talk about politics, but I'm going to talk about the makeup of Congress. It looks different, right? 
All of a sudden, there are bursts of color in the joint picture of all those gathered there on the Capitol steps. There are more women around. He can respond. Again, that's not about necessarily yet how votes will go and all of that. That's not about what language these women are using or what the president chooses to use. In my house, both of them have had their mouths washed out with soap. But anyway, that's not what it's about. It's this change that is happening, and some like it and some don't. It was interesting. There was one story on the news this week that in the early 1990s, the women who were in Congress were told to use the bathroom that tourists used. (laughs) Isn't that funny or sad? In 2011, I love this, John Boehner had a hearing on restroom parity and started to change things, responding to the change. And I think it was uh, 1989, there were 30 women in Congress. Now they're over 100. Again, again, change is afoot. What are we going to do? How are we going to respond? Shall we be part of it? Like it or not. This story, interestingly, gives us two examples of what cha- about how we might respond to the change. What that change may do in our lives for sure and then how it is we are called to respond. Herod. Herod responds to change with anger, with fear, with violence. If you know the story, you know he's going to leave devastation, destruction in his wake. He's terrified and he won't engage it in a way that is hopeful or healthy or holy. Herod is an illustration of how we can respond to the change around us. And we can be that way. It's up to us. On the other hand, we have the wise men who are seeking it, engaging it, who allow themselves to be altered by the presence of God. I mean, why else do we think they they worshipped him and offered him those gifts? They get what's going on, I think. They understand that God is in this child and therefore God is in this change and therefore God can even use the likes of them to go forth, go home by another way, transformed and different and ready to act on it and to be part of that change as it continues in the world around us. Now, I'm not saying that all change is holy. It's not, right? (laughs) Not all change is of God. And I think we do well to acknowledge that. There are some things that, that, I won't say that God is not present, but it is not honoring of God. And so we have to slow down just a little bit. We have to slow down sometimes and enter into some sort of period of discernment, Right? We have to look back to our scriptures. We have to look back to to our prayer life. We have to engage Christian community, try to understand what it is that God is doing. Is God of this or not? And then we're going to pray some more and reflect some more. and, And then we're going to, again, try to engage. But you can't do all that if you're angry. And you can't do all that if your immediate response is to be ticked off when something's different in your life. It doesn't work. Anger has no room for patience. 
Fear does not allow us to engage in such a way that we might seek God and God's presence and what is different in our lives or in our world. And so we have to slow down and step back and give God some space to let us know what's going on. Do we have to give God some time, maybe even to speak to us in our dreams or to speak to us in the still small voice of our hearts and let us know where God is and all that is going on? Just like the wise men did, just like Herod didn't. And when we understand that the change is of God, we go home transformed. We go back out into our communities transformed, changed. We engage the world by another way, literally or spiritually. When God affects us, when change is afoot and we sense God in it and we seek to choose to be part of it, everything will continue to be different. That's just the way it is. God has not stopped working. God is continuing to be active, even through these foreigners called the wise men, even through the likes of you and I. God is busy and up to something, and we get to be part of it if we so choose. One of the things I love about being United Methodist, I was asked that this week, why are you a United Methodist? And so I had to put some thought to it. One of the things I love about what our faith teaches, at least our understanding of the Christian faith, our denomination's expression of the faith, is that there is such a thing as personal holiness and social justice, and the two are linked, right? When God does something global... God starts in the hearts of individuals. When God does something enormous, God starts in the still small voices in the, in the likes of you and me. When God does something life-changing, earth-shattering, transforming this whole world, God begins with a small yet mighty person who gets to opt in or opt out. One of the things that our faith teaches is that when you are transformed by the love and grace of God, when you embrace this life, when you seek personal holiness, that was 1700 language for seeking to live like Christ. When you embrace personal holiness and God's claim on your life and you decide to live differently, then that affects the social order. It just has to. It's a grassroots kind of transformation, right? It's a from the bottom up kind of transformation. And when God's people allow God to so change their hearts, change their lives, then the world not only begins to notice, but hopefully on our best days, we're giving the world a witness that calls them to be part of it too, to be part of what God is doing to be part of what God wants to do in all of us. In all of us. God busts it wide open when God brings those wise men to the, to the manger. God breaks it loose. Beyond his standard mode of operation, God has now invited all of us to be part of what the Christ child wants to do. And it begins really small in the likes of you and me, and it can transform this world. Little by little, when we are faithful, 
when we are choosing to respond to the change around us in the way that Jesus would have us to respond. And when it's all said and done, it goes back to the beginning, before the prophecies of the Messiah and all of that, when it's all said and done, that change in us hopefully will allow us to realize that while the only constant may be change, love is present constantly. Love is part of who we are and what we offer because it's part of what God has always done. And when God goes global, when God went global and God's still going global, it doesn't mean that, 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 that things in God's nature have changed, but rather how it is God chooses to embrace this world and then invites us to do the same. So what's it going to be in 2019? You're going to be Herod? Fearful? Destructive? Angry? When things are changing in your life, or are you going to be the wise men? And are you going to engage it? Are you going to submit yourself to it? Are we eager to do what, to be a part of what God is doing in this world? May God help us. Because that's the only way we get to be a part. The good news is, this change has begun at the manger and it continues in the likes of us. May God help us. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. As always, you can find out the latest happenings at Harrison on Facebook or on our website at harrisonchurch.org.